This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. London Grammar released a new record on April 16th. It's called Californian Soil. I caught up with front woman Hannah Reed to talk about how misogyny in the music industry influenced this record. I left my soul. You've said in interviews that you almost quit music a few years ago because of its sexist and exploitative nature. You know, you've talked about, and I've heard this a lot from um, women musicians that, you know, during sound checks, the sound guys won't take you seriously, but they'll take your male bandmate seriously or not being able to be let backstage to your own show because, you know, the security guard didn't believe you were in the band. And I'm curious just how else you feel like misogyny is in the music industry, you know, as you felt it in your career? I think it's um, in the industry kind of at every level in every area. And I guess the reason why, you know, me being very naive when I started out in the music business, I thought that art was meant to be the most progressive place on earth. You know, art is when you have the luxury to kind of you know, your job isn't worrying about uh, the mechanics of day-to-day life kind of thing. It's completely indulgent and self-reflective. And I kind of thought that the industry surrounding it would be really progressive. I was extremely naive. And it started off, I guess, obviously, I was just always the only woman in the room. And I was quite shy, I think, when I was young. I, I mean, I was, you know, I had strong opinions about things, but I, I wasn't I wasn't sure of myself enough. And then I just, as I navigated my way through, you know, our first record and stuff like that, I just encountered a lot of, yeah, what I would call like daily sexist assumptions and microaggressions. And it felt like it was just a real sad shock. And it didn't matter that I was in a band with two boys. I mean, it still happened to me. Even if they did try and, you know, stand up for me or make me feel better about it, it was... It was the most extraordinary thing, really. Yeah, or even just, you know, realizing just working with producers, like it's always been working with male producers. And I know here in the U.S. there's been a study that that found that of those that have been nominated for Grammys when it came to songs, only 2% of producers were female um, out of that pool, um, which is a very, very, very low percentage. Um, and so I'm curious, when, when you're exploring this idea of misogyny or sexism in the music industry, how does this play out within your music? on this album like are there some songs that we can dive into that really express some of these feelings or ideas yeah definitely I mean lyrically and in the production I mean the main thing that I did on this album was I stepped forward as the executive producer I think and I had sometimes really felt depending on who we were working with or what studios we were in I often had the sort of the assumption thrown at me that I didn't have very much to do with production or even the music. And I I lost a lot of confidence in myself. Um, and on this album, I was determined to kind of be the female producer on the album, which is something that I'd never really been before. So musically, I'm exploring those ideas. But then lyrically, there are particular songs where I just really went for it. I really lay my heart out on the table, like with a song like Lord, It's a Feeling or I Need the Night. I think the actual subject matter, I just didn't really hold back. 
Yeah, I mean, Lord, it's a feeling. That's that's kind of like about toxic or abusive relationships. I saw the way you made her feel like she should be somebody else. I know you think the stars align for you and not for her as well. But talk about the song I Need the Night and the story that you're telling here. Um, so in I Need the Night, it definitely I am definitely speaking about the misogyny that I felt like I experienced. And I tried to do it in a really beautiful, poetic way rather than... I, Lord, it's a feeling is, is a lot more angry. So I kind of... Uh, you know, one of the opening lines is um, take all your limbs and wrap them around your neck so they can laugh at your predicament. There is a voice that is chastising me I was so cold, what have become of me? Take all your limbs and wrap them round your neck So they'll laugh at your predicament And I used to feel that a lot, that I kind of bent myself out of shape in order to fit in with certain personalities because I wanted to be liked so much, but then actually the more I kind of tried to fit into the industry, the more I almost felt kind of not respected or laughed at. It was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Um, so I'm trying just to say those kind of experiences, but I tried to turn it into beautiful words. And then the chorus is like, I just had this image in my head of me dancing the night away with my girlfriends. And they were the thing that's always kept me going really the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, after, you know, this considering even just quitting music because of misogyny, what allowed you to stay? I mean, this just sounds so cheesy, but it really was the music because I I actually ended up not being very well after our second album. I have a condition called fibromyalgia and I didn't really understand what it was, but I basically had a massive flare up after we came back from our second album tour. And it was, you know, my experience plus that flare up that meant, you know, I just felt like maybe I'm not cut out for this. But obviously I'm just such an emotional person that the first thing that I did when I felt that was I wrote a song about it, which was the song America that ends the record. And, you know, I kind of cried when I wrote that song and I it was a song, you know, very artistically self-indulgent. It was a song that was meant to say goodbye to all the songs that I wasn't going to write. Mm. And then I... um you know, then I just like played it to Dan and Daw and they were like, oh, okay, cool. Let's, let's just, let's just, let's just record it. We'll just do a couple of hours, you know, no pressure. And then it just like grew from there. And then I think because I felt like I had lost my health at that point, I just had nothing to lose. And um, it really changed me as a person making this album. But all of our time chasing
When I was reading about, you know, fibromyalgia, and again, like, in your experience might be different, but just reading up on it, you know, it causes pain all over the body, fatigue, it can cause issues with sleep, memory, and mood. I mean, I'm thinking of a touring musician, like, it's basically like having mono constantly and then trying to, like, power through it. And from my understanding, like, it develops from environmental factors. So the fact that you were constantly on tour, you know, I read that over a span of two years, you were only home, you know, for nine straight days at a time. Like, nine days was the longest stretch you had ever been home over the course of two years. And you kind of developed it during that time. I mean, which just seems so debilitating. I mean, and there's other artists out there that have struggled with this, you know, Lady Gaga being one of them. And so I'm just curious for you, I mean, what do you think it just says about the music industry for for artists to be developing fibromyalgia based on environmental factors? And, you know, how can artists succeed in this industry to keep up with everything without burning out, you know, to this extreme end? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of various things that, you know, I want to say about this. Definitely. Um I think the main thing that I would say, I've been told before, you know, oh, you probably would have developed fibromyalgia anyway at some point. And, and you know, it's not because somebody was sexist to you that you got fibromyalgia. (laughs) But I do really believe that there is a link because first of all, I'm pretty sure it's like 80% of people who have fibromyalgia are women, which I find very interesting. Hmm. And I think that the, the reason why I think there's a link is I think, when you, when it's an industry where there's so much money involved, it does attract a certain culture. And it's kind of, you're either a winner or a loser culture and the winners on the business side of things. I think probably less so now, but historically, there were a lot of crooks in the music industry. There's, there, there's no rules or regulations. And I feel like that kind of culture is also to do with the fact that there's not enough balance in representation in any area of the music business. So you kind of have these vulnerable artistic people getting involved with a business that the whole nature of it is exploitative in some ways for the benefit of the artist, hopefully. But I just do believe that there is a bit of a link between the fact that it is so male dominated, that it's, that there aren't any regulations, you know, that an artist like me who is very sensitive, that isn't necessarily built for relentless touring, there was just no empathy for someone really like me. And that's the story that you see again and again in like the Whitney Houston documentary or the Amy Winehouse documentary or or the Avicii documentary. I don't know if you've seen that. I have where, where he's just constantly on tour and just spreads yeah. so thin, always sick. And then ultimately we see that he commits suicide. But again, just that constant touring and feeling like you can't say no either. Yeah. And, and it does affect men too. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not embracing the sensitivity of artists and, uh, it happens. It does happen a lot. I mean, at that we obviously work with different people now. And at the start of our career, I, I definitely had a huge battle in saying no. It was it was really difficult. Yeah, and and it's just a shame because I'm I feel I'm so lucky to do this for a living. 
that I always felt incredibly guilty. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I never really spoke about it. But yeah, I do believe that we were kind of overworked and that it happens a lot. And I think that it does really need to change. I think a lot of artists are now speaking up about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also, you mentioned all those other documentaries about artists that have just, you know, constantly had all of this pressure to just perform and perform and perform. And I also think about the Nina Simone documentary where in it she says, like, yeah. I just need a break. But she's like, but if I take a break, you know, the 10 or 20, you know, how many other people who rely on me to have this tour for their income, they don't get that money. So they need me to constantly perform in order to get money because they rely on me. But when I need a break, I can't take a break. You know, that idea was just like, so sad to, you know, to hear that you, it's just not built into the system. Like you don't get, you know, vacation days. (laughs) But um, considering that you have fibromyalgia now, I mean, how do you manage it as a performer? Yeah, it's, it is a worry. I mean, I've, I guess I've worked so hard on my health since since the second album i've i've done so much soul searching and radically changed my diet i've tried everything and i am a lot uh stronger now the main thing is just not too many shows because there's just no point uh taking that risk so that's kind of the main one and then in terms of managing it day to day like i Again, like I just, I have all the tools now that I think I need at my disposal to kind of manage it day to day. But the main thing is just knowing what my limit is. And that's something that I felt very, or was made to feel quite guilty for, I think, at the start of Mm. our career. Um, And now I'm just, I don't feel guilty anymore. I've turned 30 as well. I feel like when you turn 30, you just care a lot less about what anyone <laughs> thinks and says that helps. Oh, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, kind of in summary, as you've turning 30, you know, coming out with yet another album, you know, with London Grammar and just reflecting on your experience in the music industry as a whole, I'm curious, like, as you've taken time to reflect on the music industry, are there certain things that, you know, ideas that have come up, like, I would love for this to change and here's a solution. I mean, I'm just curious if there's anything in your mind, you know, to think about issues that you feel like the music industry should be tackling and how to go about doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, the main thing that we do as a band is we just, we do try and surround ourselves with lots of women and and we're really lucky. Like our, our manager is female. Our tour manager is female. We've worked historically quite a lot with a female engineer who sadly on our third album, she's so successful now that uh, she wasn't available to work with us, but um, she's like one of the absolute best of the best. And I think it's about experimenting. We produced 90%, 95 of this album ourselves, but I think just for me, it's about surrounding myself with other women or making sure that there's a balance within our own camp. What what is kind of hard is that actually I do find that artists are quite isolated from one another. Mm. It's changing a bit because of social media, but still you know, I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily just messaging someone that I didn't know on social media kind of thing. So it's hard to share experience. I think it would be great if maybe we could open up conversation more as female artists in the music industry. And I feel like, 
I have more confidence now maybe to go up to other female artists at festivals and things and talk to them and um, the confidence that I didn't have before. But, but mainly, yeah, just surrounding myself with other ladies has been, has been the biggest change really for us. That was my conversation with Hannah Reed of London Grammar. Their new album, Californian Soil, was released April 16th. And that was Sound and Vision. It's a wild podcast landscape out there. There are so many podcasts to choose from. So in order to stand out from the crowd, I am looking for your help. Please share this podcast with a friend, tell someone else about it, or you can subscribe, rate, and review Sound and Vision in your favorite podcast app. And if you want to go the extra mile, please consider a $20 donation to support this podcast. You can give at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.